We're holding the Kuzari, the Maimar Hamishi, and we're learning the differences between the way that the person's nefesh works, which means the physical side of a person, and what he calls uh, the seichel, which he uses, lash nefesh daberis, which the way a certain seichel addresses something. We've seen a number of differences, which we spoke about in the previous shirim, and we're coming to the end of the of the Chachmah's dissertation, there are only two more points he wants to make. So the first point, he says, in this print, it's page Lamed, at the bottom of the, uh, at the, bottom of the last two lines, and then he says that the, de- the difference between the Nefesh and the Seichel, and that is, this boy, when the Nefesh separates from the Geshem, which is the physical part which connects to it, and that is the, the knowledge that the nefesh has isn't a product of the nisayin, which means of experience. It's rather a product of understanding. In other words, there's two ways that a person can uh, come to come to new a new, a new level of knowledge. The one is from understanding, and the one is from observation. So, for example, if a person understands a system. And you can understand what what happens and why it's happening, and you can work on himself. What what what? How you can use it, or what he's going to do with it, which is really uh, the, the the level which of creativity of science, whatever it is that a person can employ. Because once he understands the system, so then he can he can use it knowledge as a basis to build it. And the other the other possibility is it comes to a person not through understanding, but through observation. So I see that, of course, in effect, I see when I try this, this is what the result is. And if that's the case, now I want to build a, uh, an axiom, I want to build a principle that, based on the fact that I see that uh, there's a certain result which happens when I try something. Without explaining why it's like it or why it has to be like that, it's just my observation which shows me that's the case. And we saw it previously that really that, that's the kind of process which everything instinctively works on. When I see something and it acts a certain way, so it creates in my mind a certain connection of the item I see to the reaction I expect it to have. It's not necessarily provable or logical, but it's something which a person has experienced. And now the difference between knowledge through experience through as opposed to knowledge through understanding, he says, is the difference is what comes through experience and goes in Allah goes Gomer. We can't guarantee that was going to happen. And just, it's just in my experience, that's the way it was. But my experience isn't absolute. Then it could be in the cases that I experienced, I saw a certain reaction, but is that a guarantee it has to be like that? No, it's not. And therefore, I can't say something which I achieve from experience is an absolute. It's not is that a go- weakness of a room in the last of Kamal? Is that a weakness in the room in the last of Kamal? Okay. Um, oh, Sorry. Let's, let's, let's back up a little bit. No, the concept which Ravi is talking about, this I'll explain uh, the concept and I think we understand the question to be and we can address it. The concept of the way I expect something to happen. The way I expect something to happen means being as this is what I'm used to and this is what I see happening, so then I assume that everyone else will have a similar experience. It doesn't have to be like that, not necessarily. But I'm relying on a certain assumption that if this is the experience I've had, I assume it's sort of a similar experience. Now, it doesn't have to, like I said, it doesn't have to be like based that. On so it's an assumption based on experience, uh, which is really, although a lot of science is based on trial and error, 
and we try that, and we see a certain repetitive uh, reaction, so we consume, that's what's going to happen. Now, it could be that in different circumstances, it won't happen exactly the same way. It could be other factors will cause it to change. So I can't yet guarantee that's what's going to happen, but it's a certain starting point assumption. And so it's limited to Chazaka, uh, which means an assumption of, based on what I know, this is what I expect. I can't prove it, and I have no way of explaining it, but uh, that's, that's the axiom I'm working with. Now, when we come to talk about the concept of Roiv, so the Akronim already tell us that there's a difference in numbers between what's called the Roiv de Esakaman and the Roiv de Esakaman. In other words, the Roiv de Esakaman means an observable majority. So I have 10 items in front of me, I can see 10, I know 9 of them are kosher, one of them is not kosher, and then, so I can talk about the Roiv as most of the things here are kosher, because I can see all the options in front of me. Whereas if I was going to ask you about are most of the animals in the world kosher animals or not kosher animals? So then I don't have a clear, a clear case study in front of me that I can work it out. I'm going to have to learn what I assume. Or whatever, whatever statistics, whatever information. To assume that's what's going to be. And I wouldn't talk about most animals in the world. But let's ask the question, are most cows in the world kosher cows? Or maybe they've got some kind of internal injury that makes them a trophy. So once again, I don't have the facts. There's no way I can know what most cows in the world are. And what I have to work on is an assumption. And the assumption is that most cows are more like started off healthy. And if that's the case, I would assume that until proven otherwise, they would still be healthy. And if therefore, if my case study is, the likelihood is that the cows started off healthy, and I would assume that most of them would still be in that category. So I can assume, we call it the Kaman. The way Rabbi Shimon explains it, is the Rebbe Kaman would apply even if there was only one cow in the world. In other words, if you're talking about a roi, which was a majority of an observable, observable set of features, then I need a majority. But if you're talking about what's the likelihood, or what I expect to be the case, it's not a question of numbers. It's that same likelihood which is going to be the case, even if I'm dealing with one. And therefore, if I have one cow, and I want to know, is it likely that this cow is healthy or unhealthy? So the, that same concept of what we call roi, the lesser come on, which means the assumed roi is it's healthy. Because the logic would be that most cows should start off healthy. That's not, that's not a guarantee. That's not a guarantee. It's an assumption. And that's why I said we can work with that assumption, but it's not something which any goes into goes Gomer. You can't guarantee something based on that assumption because there's no reason why it has to be like that. And therefore, there's an a argument which comes from an assumption based on our observations, based on uh, what we've got, what we've which we've seen happen time and again, has a certain weakness to it. And as opposed to something which there's a reason why it has to be like that. It's something provable, which make, which is something which the nefsham deberis, which means a person's mind will understand the system and therefore can prove it is, is either logically is or isn't. That's a much more absolute proof. And uh, you give an example. It's a very interesting example. And the Farshim explained it in different ways. So I explained it the way that one of the Farshim called the Ayat explains it. He says, for example, A person can say, I see most people uh, don't move their ears. Their ears kind of just stay in the same place, and they don't have uh, like the ability, like you can move your eyes, you can move your hands. Most people don't move their ears. And therefore, if, if a person would say, therefore I'm coming to the conclusion, there isn't the ability of a person to move their ears. He says, I would say, from what I see, a person who goes to that, people don't move their ears. So I would say, okay, so that must be, your ears aren't movable. But, uh, the man said, that's not necessarily true. And in fact, there are people who can move their ears. 
And uh, even though I've never, let's say, I haven't observed that, I can't come to the conclusion that it's not possible just by my observation. Because my observation may be of some people, but it doesn't apply to everybody. And there's no reason why not. There are muscles. If a person practices using them, then uh, they, they could exercise the muscles which move the ears as well. And but I think, yeah, I've actually seen people do that. Just like you can blink your eyes, some people shake their ears. They move up and down. Now, it's not something you see too often, but it's possible. And therefore, to come on the assumption and say, well, people's ears don't move, I've never seen it, isn't necessarily accurate. That's why the Antinachman explains what the Khazari wanted. And that is, a person can't be Gozer or Gozer Goma, say with absolute certainty, it's not that no one can move their ears, it's not true. People can. Whereas, something which is provable, as in, as in the principle, then I can say it's, it's absolute. I say every person can feel, it's a sense that every person has. If something can experience feeling, it must still be alive. Everything alive has a certain uh, individuality, which is the body that it's living in. And that the whole is more than the parts. Obviously, if it's made up of a number of parts, it's bigger than each individual piece. Those things come from the Bira Des, from understanding the logic of it, and not from necessarily the, what a person seen by observation. And uh, therefore, something which a person understands, he can say with much more certainty as an absolute, and something which a person is just relying on the, in my experience, what I've happened to observe, which doesn't necessarily um, as absolute. If it wasn't for that, then what it means is that you would continue go to a point without the limits, which means um, without the ability to clarify something that has to be this way because in logic it makes sense, then there will be no end to how much a person will need to do to prove something. Because the more times you show me the same thing happening, I will keep saying, it's just experience. It could be that a different time will work differently. Whereas if you can prove to me, explain to me why it has to be like that, so then once the rules make sense of the logic involved, so then you may then that's something which is which is uh, unarguable if, you, if, the, if, it's, if it's like it makes sense. I'll give you a very practical enough way of this. Began with observations, which then, on which they developed the rules, which proves the science. So, for example, the famous laws of Newton's laws of gravity, or thermodynamics, or transfer of matter, whatever it's going to be, most of them start with observations. But instead of saying, well, I've always seen it work like that, so a person explores why it happens, and then he understands there's a system involved which has to be like that. And that's the logic. And let me explain what I'm saying. With the, uh, what I want to say before, the, the, this idea of something which a person can prove the, with, with based on logic, rather than just use the more and more times that I've practiced again and again, which, like we said, is just relying on the experience and doesn't have to have the same results. And that's coming from a halakhic aspect. And it's a shayla that the Rashba was asked in Chavis. And this is something which applies very much today. And we rely on the Rashba halakha And that is, the halakha is, the Gemara says, a person is allowed to use medicine to heal themselves. If a person is sick, then they're allowed to avail themselves of medical treatments in order to get better. Then from the Pasuk, the doctor is allowed to heal a person. At the same time, the Gemara says, 
that something which is something which is superstitious, uh, or something which is based on nifush, uh, which means uh, some kind of assumption of whatever nature it's going to be, that's awesome. So the question they asked the Rashba is, what's the difference between medicine and superstition? And like I said, this is a very real question then, and it's a very real question today. Because what makes something medicine, and we say that's allowed, as opposed to something we say that's superstition, it's Dark Murray, which is not allowed. For example, is using a pendulum, medical dowsing, medicine or superstition? Well, you, using a pendulum. A pendulum. It's called dowsing, that they hold it and see which way it turns, whatever it is to see what a person reacts to. Is using what they call energy healing, medicine or superstition? There are some people that do this. They're from Ladu, but what's the rules? Is it Mutter or is it Asa? So the Rashba gives us three rules. And he says if it falls into any of these three categories, it's medicine and it's sanat. And if it doesn't have any of these three categories, so then it's nechosh or it's superstition, it's a dark emory and it's also. What are the three rules? So the first rule is not really like a discussion right now, and there's something the Gemara says you're allowed to do. Because if the Gemara says you're allowed to do it, so then whether we do or don't put it in the category of medicine, the Gemara says it's allowed. And there are lots and lots of things in that category, which the Gemara said the person is allowed to do, and that would be a, that would be the green out for us to do it. Some of them do even today. A person who has jaundice, they use a, they put a dive, a white dive, on the on their liver, and the dive dies, and the person gets better. And uh, the Gemara says that that's the refuah, that's a cure for for hepatitis. They use this today, and uh, no one can explain exactly how it works, but the Gemara said it works. We don't do it. So, taking out Gemara's based healings, which whatever reason Chazal knew was allowed, so the Rashba says there's two other rules of what differentiates between medicine and superstition. The first rule, he says, is that it's something that you can explain the, real, the, real, the reason why it's happening. If you can explain the logic, what's, what's going on, then that's medicine, it's a science. So I can explain to you what's happening. If somebody says, no, I can't explain it, it's something that's happening. And so without any attempt at an explanation of why it's happening, then it might be superstitious. It doesn't fit into the rules of medicine, which has to be based on understanding, based on logic of what's going on. Now, just to understand, on the point that Rashba says, and that is, the understanding of medicine changes the whole time. And the way that they used to treat medicine, illness, a hundred years ago is very different from the way they treat it today. Because people understand the body better, and then obviously it changes the way they understood how things work. And that doesn't mean that necessarily the way the doctors were trying to attempt to do things at the time of the Rambam or the Ramban or other famous children who were doctors were superstitious. It means the feel the way they understood there was a logic to what they were doing. So that, that, that makes something medicine. Whereas something like that, which is also in the Gemara, but as opposed to something which uh, is not understood, just it works. It's, it's something which happens. That might be in the category of superstition. In other words, something which doesn't have a logic. It doesn't have a rationale. The second point that Ashba says, and that is, it's something which always works. Something which always works. And then we can put it in the category of there must be a reason even if we can't yet work out what it is, as opposed to something which might work, might not work. It depends if you believe in it enough to make it work. Things like that are more likely to be superstition. And therefore, if it doesn't have a 100% track record of working, so then we're going to say that that's something which isn't in the category of a bad idea. And later, that's something which was not allowed to do. And because of that, there's a, there, there could be things which uh, people do, and they claim an alternative medicine, which would be matter. And that would be if it has a basis of either an understanding 
oh, 100% track record of working. Because then even if you don't understand exactly what's happening, what we say, we see if a system which works. But then again, that has to be 100%. And when you see times that it doesn't work, then the system falls apart. And uh, there will be those things which are also because either they don't have an explanation of how it's happening, or and uh, that uh, they can't guarantee it's going to work, so then it would fall in the category of nechash. So here we see the difference of two points. Something which a person sees works, or then something which a person understands why it works. Uh, so the Rash himself gives an example of something which he sees always works, and he doesn't understand this himself, I don't understand why. But uh, since 100% of the time it works, there must be a rule which we haven't understood yet. And the example he gives is magnetism. Why some things are magnetically attracted to each other. So he said that you see it works 100% of the time. You mean a magnet attracts metal? Right. And there are certain metals which attract each other. Right. Iron. Right. And uh, what's logic? Says Rashi, well, I don't know. But it works 100% of the time. So it's something you're allowed to use. Whereas something which doesn't always work, so then it's not a cause of the gummer. It's not a rule in the world. You see it even sometimes it works. Often it works, but sometimes it doesn't work. And that means it's not something we can rely on with that same certainty as something which we're allowed to use, like something which is either always going to be the case or is completely understood. Is there any medicine that works 100% of the time? Probably not, but at least there's an explanation for it. In other words, if you're going to identify, there's a certain bacteria here. We can see it in the microscope. We know that this kind of antibiotic kills it. So we have a system. We understand what we do. Whereas if something which is not understood, so then what is it? Then you know, we've lost the logic, which is the basis to allow it. Now, what about something that's, let's say, based on Chinese... That's a different problem. Saying they, 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 they once knew why it worked. Things like that are most likely to be a bodhisar. Things like that are most likely to be a bodhisar because it's based on a spiritual uh, understanding, which they attribute into however they understand the spiritual world works. So, for example, and this is always brought down, um, acupuncture. Acupuncture, they stick needles into a person. Um, Dekurusini, uh, acupuncture. Is it, what is it also? So, a lot of persons say it's also. Why? Because where is it coming from? It's coming from the Chinese belief in cheese, which is spiritual energies which come down to a person. And the needles are really meant to be like you know, conductors of electricity. So, they're meant to conduct the spiritual energy into the person where he needs a an injection of energy. Well, if that's logic, what you're doing, that's what it is. You're trying to attract spiritual forces to enter the person in different places. That's what it is. So even if they have an explanation for it, um, it's, it's based on the issue. But now, obviously, modern science isn't going to accept that. So do they have a better explanation of what's actually happening and why it's going to work? So what they try to explain is that in certain places where you can release tension by... Uh, like like just like you can re- release a certain muscle which is tense and relaxes. So by using a needle to whatever it is, you're re- so to speak, that ne- releasing the tension in the muscle. Uh, is that an absolute sphara? Not really, but let's say if we have a good sphara for it, then it says what? If we don't have a sphara which explains what's happening and why it works, and why specifically what the, this is the way to do it, then we have to see, is, does it always work? And if it doesn't always work, which it doesn't, so then uh, we, we're in a category of there's an data for it. And therefore, the way to assess any medical treatment is logic, uh, 100% effectiveness, and, uh, and lastly, that is not a result. It's not based on a, a religious belief, which it might be also. Something which we can explain is much more, we can work with much more than something which we're relying on uh, observation and 
the observation we might find is not always 100%, in which case it means the whole thing wasn't accurate. Because that only makes it the difference between uh, the, the seichel of uh, observation as opposed to the seichel of a person's intellect, which can which can develop the rule or understand the rule. The fact that a person is able to understand comes from a, 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 from a, a level of understanding which comes from Hashem, which comes to a person's mind, and therefore anything which comes from the level of the seichel without relying on the observable, so to speak, just we know it happens because we see it, he never adds a built-in discussion at something which is independent of the Geshem, of the physical uh, of the physical thing we see the whole time. It stands on its own as a cycle, as a logic. And the nefesh, which means the person's mind understands, uh, is created Surah, which is complete. Uh, which means uh, which means it's something which is more more surely more correct than what a person is relying on his senses to to, to rely on that that's the reason why I think or to guarantee or predict what's going to happen. That's the second point also. And that is the difference, this is obviously the, most, the main difference between a person's mind, what he calls it, a person's body, and that is A person's mind can connect to the etzimah which is to something greater than the person, Hashem. But what prevents the seichel of a person, or the neshama of a person, connecting to the spiritual source of Hashem, is the tiras of the body interferes with it. And therefore, the ability to connect properly to, for the neshama to connect properly to the spiritual source is only from when it rejects anything that the body wants. Because anything the body wants is really interfering with the Nashama's ability to connect to Hashem. And it's really saying exactly the same thing the Rambam said. When the Rambam talks about what's a Navi. And the Rambam says the level to get to Navi is that a person detaches himself from all, all the wants of his body. Because the, the road to Ruchnias is only open when a person detaches himself from the drag or the pull of the Gashmis. The only thing which prevents the Nashama connecting to Hashem is the body, nothing else preventing it. And therefore, when the neshama leaves the body, it's now free to reattach to Hashem. It's protected from whatever would have caused it uh, uh, to lose that connection. And therefore, it's and therefore it connects to what we call the 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 highest uh, level of reality in Ayla Ma'alyan. And now that when it's no longer affected by the body, it's able to achieve much more. This is also what the Ramchal explains in the beginning of Darach Hashem. We mentioned it lots of times. And as he says, the reason why a person has to die is in order to give his neshama a chance to grow. Because as long as the neshama is held, down by the, held back by the body, the amount that it can progress is very limited. But the person starts the process in this world, and then, when the Neshama gets to the stage where it's being held back too much by the body, so Hashem releases it from the body, and now it's given free reign to grow greater than it. And that's something which, obviously, Hashem created the Neshama to do. Uh, and therefore, it says that the, 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 the side of when, when the Neshama can achieve its shameless is only after it leaves the body, because then the body isn't interfering with its ability to, to connect to ever greater depths. 
אז אין לדעת שחזר עושה את דעת, צדיקים, אין להם מנוחה ואין להם אבו, שניהם ילכו וחי לא חי. ללבל הזה צדיק קיפס קניה קנה, אז לא נצטרף אליהם מול, אז זה ערוץ גרייטר גרייטר גרייטר. וזו לזה מהכוח הזה אין מעשה אוקים בגוף, ויובים מאפס לגוף. Besides that ability that Hashem to connect to Hashem, everything else that a person can do involves the body, and when the body is no longer there, so then those things are no longer practical, no longer necessary. I will never show the bearers, Kratzira, Hatzira, Sahem, Velochali, Vuseim, Kamesh, Kodam. Whereas never show the bearers, which means the Shem of a person, so then it can, it's already in its lifetime appreciated or connected to Hatzira, Sahem, which means the spiritual reality which is now going to, uh, which is now going to try and connect to. Therefore, it's very important. It takes its heart, so to speak, which means it, 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 it when the neshama is the body, then it gets attracted to that spiritual, uh, that source, which means closer to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and that's the, the greatest level that the neshama is greater than the body. That the body, as much as it can achieve and understand, is physical and is limited by a person's lifetime, whereas the neshama, its real growth path only starts after the person's lifetime. The, this world is just like to rev the motor, so to speak. But its actual, its actual uh, as, uh, level, uh, rising in level, again, it's not that person can't grow in this world, he can, but to a certain extent. But more than that, only after the person needs this world. Uh, and I'm just going to finish with the motion I always like to give of a space rocket. As long as it's in this world, there's a pull of gravity. There's a pull of gravity, so you'll need a transmit of power just to propel it, um, that it gets stronger than the pull. The pull of, which pulls it down again, the, the gravitational pull of the world. But when it gets to the stage where it can break the, what do you call escape velocity, it's now no longer pulled back by gravity, it's broken that barrier. So now it can grow, now it can keep flying forever. There's nothing to stop it anymore. And it's the same as when the Hashem is in the body, there's a certain gravity, a certain thing which is pulling it back. And what a person is doing in this world is just gathering power. He's getting, raising himself more and more and more. And eventually, when a person, Hashem decides that a person is done with the Kenya, then he gets a level of escape for us, and if someone leaves the body, and now it's free to keep growing more and more because nothing is left there to hold it back. And therefore, as much as a person sees in the Shama or appreciates in this world, he's only seeing it in its very smallest stage before it's begun to really grow. Whereas in the Shama, when it's then given the opportunity to grow, it's going to grow endlessly because uh, it no longer has anything which is preventing it from doing that.